so yeah, in a little while, you're going to see these five people um, be baptized. They're going to be baptized there in the pool. Um, but before that, I'm, I'm going to give a, a short talk. You know, this week has been an emotional week. Um, I'm quite, I'm not usually an emotional person. Some may say different to that, but this week's been uh, emotional. You may say, Simon, get over it. But hey, it, it's been emotional. Monday night, um, uh, Alpha, 10 people made commitments of faith, which was just incredible. There's many that didn't, that are still journeying uh, with God, so please continue to pray for that. Um, but the fact that they're coming, that they're in some way saying yes, uh, and they're discovering and finding more uh, about God each week. So please continue uh, in your prayers. Pray for Alpha. And then on Friday, we had the wedding. Many of you know well, Matt uh, and Rebs. Uh, they got married here uh, in this venue on Friday afternoon, the first one uh, here. And it was my first wedding that I got to officiate, uh, which was uh, an incredible honor uh, and privilege. So it's been emotional. Then yesterday, my dad, many of you know, recently passed away um, seven, eight months ago now. And yesterday was his birthday, uh, our first without him. So again, uh, an emotional day, but then today, hearing those stories uh, of these lives, you know, what God's doing in these lives, everyone unique, everyone individual, um, yeah, it's emotional, isn't it? I'm like, God's um, just incredible, and I've had a song going on in my head all week um, from Tina Turner, many of you may know it, What's Love Got to Do With It? Uh, and for me, <laughs> yeah, random, but I've experienced what love has got to do with it this week, with those decisions, with what I've witnessed, and then here today. You see, love's got everything to do with it. And the question um, that we shouldn't, should be asking is actually what faith uh, has got to do with it? Because we know it was uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, John 3.16. And then this is love. Not we, not, not we loved God, but he loved us and sent his own son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's 1 John 4, verse 10, and I'll come back to that in a moment. See, we love God because he first loved us. God is love. He loves you whether you understand it or not. He loves you whether you're close to him or not. There's nothing you can do to earn his love more. And there's nothing that you can ever do to stop him from loving you less. That is good news for all of us in here. So like I said, the question shouldn't be, what's love got to do with it? Because we know God gave his son and that Jesus chose the nails. Jesus chose the cross to show our love for, to show our, our love for us. So the question should be, what's faith got to do with it because it's on answering that question that we get the revelation of that love and then how we can reciprocate it back first though we have to know what faith is and there's this guy who uh, was a horse a horse whisperer that's what he does for a living he breaks horses in and he's obviously a, a Christian horse whisperer you'll find out uh, why in a minute so as he's breaking these horses in and he's as he's getting them to gallop he uses the word hallelujah and as and to get the horse to stop he uses the words amen so he's out in the fields one day breaking this particularly bad horse in and he's there open fields and he's hallelujah 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 and the horse is galloping and galloping and galloping then suddenly he realizes that he's coming to the edge of a steep cliff 
And he loses all confidence in the ability of what he's taught the horse to do. He loses it and he starts praying desperately to God. He's like, God, I don't think this amen is going to work. I'm, I'm, I've, I've lost my uh, confidence. Please, can you help me? I don't want to die. And in closing in prayer, he says to God, amen. And amazingly, he opens his horse. He opens his eyes. I said that at the first <laughs> service. I said that. I was, he opens his eyes and the horse has stopped dead still right on the edge of the cliff. And the guy is amazed. He's in total awe and thankfulness for God. And as he is, he shouts out, hallelujah. So that is faith. Faith in the dictionary. Faith in the dictionary says this. It's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And I want to encourage you and challenge you in the way that you see faith today. See, whether that's for the first time and discovering it or realizing again how it changes everything for us. See, it's certainly changed everything for these five guys being baptized today. And we once were all there in that same position. See, it's not just Christians that have faith either. Every person on the planet has faith. And most of the time, you have it in someone or something without even realizing it. I want to suggest that you're all exercising faith right now. You all came in and sat down immediately on a chair. None of you went up to it and said, is this going to hold my weight? Sometimes when I approach chairs, I have to do that now. Most of you have not uh, even thought about taking in a breath of air. You've naturally been doing that. And please continue to do that for the next 30 minutes or so. You have faith when it comes to driving, when you see a green light that in the opposite direction, the other people are stopped on red. Please don't do that when my wife's on the road. See, my wife is Scottish. She's amazing. I love her so much. But she's from the Outer Hebrides, um, way, way up northwest. There's no uh, traffic lights on that island where she learned to drive. There's a few highland cattle that occasionally you have to stop for. And what happened, she passed a test there, learned to drive there, um, and then moved down into uh, the West Midlands uh, a few years later. And honestly, to this day, when we come to traffic lights, and they can be on red, Dee's like oblivious to them. Lights on red, she's not slowing down. I'm in the passenger seat, stamping on the brake, she's not slowing down. I'm like, Dee, the lights are red. Eventually, um, we come to a standstill. It's so funny as well. Sometimes when we're approaching the lights, they're on green, and she'll stop. She's just clueless uh, when it comes to traffic lights. Faith is exercise, guys, on a daily basis, hundreds and thousands of times. Yet the greatest struggle, barrier, issue, whatever you want to call it, happens, uh, happens when it comes to having faith in God. But check this, even atheists have faith. And they must do. You see, for them to believe that nothing out of nothing created something, for me, that requires more faith than what I believe. <laughs> the real problem is, though, it isn't really faith, it's sin. And that can come down to pride. And we hear all the time that Christ has paid for our sins, for our wrongdoings, and he totally has. But that's where the objections start. People seem to have a problem with that. And then we get all sorts of objections or questions. Well, I don't need saving because I'm not a bad person. 
which then goes on to some of them blaming God for allowing bad things to happen to good people. To which I want to say, wait a minute, if there's no God, how can it be his fault? And then again, bad things happen to all people, not just good people. And who determines who's good anyway? See, my definition of your good uh, and my, uh, my good and your good will be totally different. Then there's other questions or objections that may have. If God is so good, then why does he send people to hell? Guys, listen, hell was never intended for humans. Hell was created for Satan and his demons. It's God's wish that no one should perish. Then dinosaurs, we often hear that question. When, what about dinosaurs? The word dinosaur wasn't even in vocabulary. It didn't exist until the 19th century. But in the Bible, we hear of massive beasts, beasts, behemoth and leviathan with tails as long as cedar, cedar trees there in the Bible. Then it can come to creation. Did God really create the world in seven days? I can answer that one without a shadow uh, of a doubt. It's categorically no. It was six days he rested on the seventh. But the Bible says when I read in Genesis that God didn't create the sun uh, or the moon until day three. So the 24-hour period didn't exist till then. So who knows? The objections aren't the real problem. Like I said, you can always find them. Sin is. And while people may want to get away from that, the truth is they can't. But we can help. You see, you don't have to go around calling everyone a sinner to win them for Christ. Christians have done such a bad job of this in the past. And I don't really know why, because every Christian should be able to quote John 3:16. You heard it earlier. You should quote that off by heart. But if they were only to look at the next verse, then things would be very different. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, we should never start with people's sin, but with God's great love for them. It's what the Bible starts with, for God so loved. God built a bridge first, so please let's not use a barrier. There was a separation caused by sin which had to be paid for. That's the verse I read earlier in John 1, 4, verse 10. Adam and Eve messed up. They disobeyed God and as a result were separated uh, from the relationship they had with him. If you disobey or break any law in society, you have to pay the consequence. I know that. I went to prison as a result. And it's the same with God Because Adam and Eve first disobeyed uh, him, the consequence as a result of that sin was separation. You see, God is a holy God and just God. He cannot tolerate sin, any sin, even the smallest of sin. God and sin cannot come together. They can't come into the same space. It's like two opposites of a magnet. They can never come together. But check this, God loves his children that much that he doesn't get them to suffer the consequences of those actions. He takes the consequence himself. He pays for it in order that that separation that was once there can be removed. I don't know about you, but if there was a person who was that loving, that kind, and that would go to that extreme, surely you'd want to trust them. Forget about sin being about how we've messed up and what we've done wrong for now. Park that for a minute. Sin is about separation and is mostly caused by our selfish, independent 
nature, sin. Often we say we don't need anybody else. We certainly don't need a God who is distant, irrelevant, or harsh. That's another problem. We can often have two views on God. He's either the Godfather or the Grandfather. Some people view him as this mafia-type figure who at any moment is looking to take you out when you put a foot wrong. Or we can view him as the grandfather, as this little old man with long white hair and a beard who's a, a little soft and irrelevant. So we go our own way, only putting faith in ourselves. We become the God of our own world. But I want to say God is neither of those things. He's a God who cares for us, that loves us, that gave us life. And he's a God that lets us decide most people in the world know Jesus Christ as a swear word, but as Christians, we can know him as friends. But it does require something of us. It requires us to put our faith in him. God doesn't force us to believe in him. He lets us decide. He's paid the price. He's took the consequence, but he never says, you owe me for that. You'd expect that wouldn't you though, in, in this world, if someone did something that was that significant for you, you would be indebted to them, wouldn't you? But not God. He simply wants you to trust him, to trust he has the best for you. Is that such a bad thing? And it's not blind faith, as some people would suggest. There's evidence to prove Jesus existed. You know, even respected and published atheists believe there was a person called Jesus who walked planet Earth. So faith isn't a blind leap. It's a reasonable step based on good evidence. Faith is like a journey. Martin Luther King Jr. says this, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. I'm not saying that first step isn't easy but it is worth it. Then C.S. Lewis, another famous writer, once an atheist himself, he says this on faith, I believe in Christianity, as I believe that the sun's risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Wow, when we put our faith in him, our eyes become open, and we start to live life the way God intended 2 Corinthians 5.17, a Bible verse that is often used at baptism says this, therefore if anyone is in Christ, uh, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. See, the moment we accept Christ, something changes, something new happens, not physically, but something inside of us. We become spiritually alive. And you've heard that this morning from the stories that have been shared and if you ask anyone else that's put their faith in Jesus, they'll tell you the day, possibly the time, and what they were wearing when they became a Christian, because it was a hugely significant moment for them. The Bible in Revelation 3 verse 20 says this, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Here we get a promise from Jesus that if we let him into our life, he will come and be with us, remain with us, he'll eat with us. It's talking about a relationship here, but we have to let him in. Have you ever had a door knock and you've not answered? 
Uh, we used to do this all the time, especially when Jehovah Witnesses called. Uh, as a youngster, uh, they used to call regularly where we lived, and you could tell them a mile, mile away, all suited and booted, dressed up to the tees with a leather suitcase uh, under their arm. And mom would hate opening the door to them. So as children, should get us all to hide under the sofa and try and be quiet uh, as long as possible. Jesus waits patiently and knocks on the door. He's waiting for you to open it. And when we do, we get a promise. And what we're really talking about is not opening the door, but your heart. If we let him in, he will live with you. Another promise is that I am always with you. And the other promise, the most amazing promise, is that he gives us eternal life. See, for me, what faith has got to do with it? Faith is taking God's promises and choosing to believe them. And when we make that choice, everything changes. But it's your choice. And I don't know about you, if a guy who does incredible things when he walks planet Earth, who performs signs, wonders, miracles, raises people from the dead, and then predicts his own death and rises from it, he's a guy I want to follow. I want to suggest he's a guy worth following. This is what sets us apart from all other religions. Other religions are about what you have to do. But with Christianity, it's about what Jesus has already done. You mean everything to him. That's why he gave everything for you. And Jesus didn't just die to give his life for you or instead of you. He died to give his life to you. I want to invite the band to come back as I come to a close. In just a minute, we're going to baptize these five special people. Some of you here this morning have had enough of life. You're not really happy. You've tried everything there is out there and nothing's worked. This morning, could you try one last thing? You've got nothing to lose anyway, but possibly everything to gain. Could you let go? Could you stop trying to do things your way? Could you stop trying to put your barriers up when there's already been a bridge built for you? And I'm sorry if Christians have done that to you. I really do apologize if you've been hurt in the past. But the Bible says this morning, if you have been hurt, that when you put your faith in Jesus, you can experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and the list goes on and on, guys. And that's available to everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. Before I was a Christian, I never really liked people. There's a phrase that hurting people hurt people, and I was hurt, and I would often hurt those that were closest to me. But when my faith in God, but when I put my faith in God, my hurt disappeared and I was consumed with love for people. Some of you have been hurt here this morning, but this morning, God wants to take away that hurt, but it's gonna take something from you. See, it takes faith, faith to let go and to put your trust in God. But as soon as you do that, you have that promise from God that he'll be with you. So earlier, the, the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith but it only takes faith as small as a mustard seed, the tiniest of seeds. 
God's done all the hard work. I want to finish with this. Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You can enter into a relationship with him and have the amazing gifts he has to offer. And this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. You know, some of you have been away from God for far too long. This morning, it's time to come home. You've had faith, but you've backed away. This morning, take that step. Put your faith back into him. And then a lot of you, you've, you've been trying for so long, but you haven't found what you're looking for. Today, you just might. Let me pray. Why don't we all close our eyes for a minute or two? All close our eyes and just concentrate for the next minute. Just shut the eternal voice that may be going on inside you. And let's pray. See, God loves you so deeply that he would rather die than be without you. It's what he did. He died in your place, knowing that you might not accept it, knowing that you might reject it. But the possibility that you wouldn't meant that Christ sacrificed his life in order that you could have eternal life. Some of you may be saying, that's rubbish, Simon. And if you hear that voice, that's fine too, because there is an enemy who doesn't want you to take this next step. Some of you are ready for it. You're desperate for it. You've tried everything else and nothing's worked. Today, it's time to try something different. So I'm gonna say a prayer. And if, I wanna invite you to say it with me after. Don't speak out loud, but you can mumble it uh, under your breath, but mean it within your heart. And if you do that, things will be different for you this morning. So while every eye is closed and we're praying, repeat after me, say it mum gently. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry that I've gone my own way until now. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life, willingly and not so willingly. And if anything comes to mind, just, just give them to God. Don't name them out loud, but give them to him. And then say this, I ask that you please forgive me. And I wanna turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died just for me so that I can be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit and eternal life. I now receive those gifts. Please come into my life by the power of your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And while every eye is closed, no one's looking, honestly, apart from me. If you said that prayer for the first time, before, or if you've made a, a recommitment of faith, if you've come back home this morning, if you were once walking closely with God but have been distant, but today you've put that right, I just want you to raise your hand right high now so I can see it. Thank you. You see that? Thank you. Wow. Hands going up all over the place. That is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. 
incredible. You can put them down. Father God, I want to thank you for the decisions that people have made this morning to put their faith, to put their trust in you. Father God, I pray from this moment on, they will know that you are with them, that their eternal security is taken care of. And eternity doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you've accepted Christ. It started for you guys. You know, some of you may have not been ready for that step, but I do want to encourage you to take the next step. And you can do that every Sunday by coming back here. Our teaching is is relevant for you guys and applicable to your everyday life. We would love to journey with you. And then in just 13 weeks time, we start another Alpha course, which has been mentioned here. Don't reject this faith thing without uh, without finding out everything there is uh, about it. There's free food there and it's for a few Monday evenings. You know, listen to this. If you live to the age of 70, you're going to spend 20 years and three months asleep. You're going to spend 10 years and five months watching TV. Five years, nine months in some form of transportation. You'll spend seven years, six months eating and drinking. You have 570,000 hours approximately to live. So why not take just a a few of those hours, a few Monday evenings to ask life's biggest questions. It could be the most valuable time you'll ever spend. If you wanna do that, you can chat to any of the hosting team. If you raise your hand this morning, I would love to chat to you after the service. But right now, guys, we're gonna stand. We're gonna celebrate. And then we're gonna witness in a moment just these people being baptized. We're gonna sing this song, Christ is enough for me. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Let's stand. If you're getting baptized, this is the time now to go out, get changed. We'll take the tank, we'll take the top off the thing, and then I'll call you in your teams. But let's sing.